Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. On today's show, we hear from two writers who this year released books about two very different parts of the state. We begin with Danny Anguiano. She's a reporter with The Guardian who co-wrote the book Fire in Paradise about the 2018 campfire with her colleague Alastair G. Danny and Alastair were both on the ground as the campfire burned. I began by asking her what they learned by staying in the region and reporting on the fire's aftermath. We saw the direct effect of what happens when a town of 27,000 people is burned to the ground and, you know, tens of thousands of people are displaced. And what we got to see from staying there was just seeing the long-term impacts both on surrounding cities. So you had the city of Chico, for instance, which essentially took in, you know, 30,000, 40,000 people um, for weeks to months at a time. And we also got a firsthand look at, you know, the trauma that people experience and how that affected them as they try to navigate, you know, the immediate aftermath of the fire and then the rebuild process. You know, when your town burns down, when you lose your home, you know, even when you lose loved ones, what do you do? What do you do to rebuild your life? Yeah. And one of the people that you follow closely in the book is Sky Sedwick, who was from Megalia. She lost her dad, John, in the fire. And you detail their relationship, that they weren't always on good terms during Sky's life, but they ended up making peace and living together by the time the fire happened. One of the questions I think a lot of us readers were asking ourselves is why he stayed behind. And I wonder, what do you think? Right. So to answer that question, I think you have to think about who John Sedwick was. This is a man in his 80s who had lived and treasured this part of California for, you know, over seven decades. He loved the natural beauty there. He loved the mountains and the canyons and, and all of this history. And not only that, he was a helper. He was a volunteer firefighter for, you know, many years until he couldn't be anymore because of his deafness. And, you know, he was a sort of guy who would leave water on the side of the road in the summer so that overheating cars would have that there for them. And so I think given his skill set, his love of this community and his desire to be of assistance he couldn't leave. You know, he really felt an obligation to use those skills to try to protect this land that he loved and, and help anyone he could. You know, his family would always say he, he never had a dollar to his name, but he would give you the shirt off his back. Yeah, that really comes across. Um, 
Sky Sedwick spoke at the court hearing this summer where PG&E pleaded guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter and to causing the campfire. They paid a $4 million fine. And I wonder, as you stay in touch with people that you've interviewed for your book, what do they tell you about whether justice was done? What I've heard from people is that generally they don't feel justice was done. In addition to the loss of life, you have this town wiped off the map. You have a history lost. And, you know, it's it's almost an incalculable loss. You have 30,000 people, essentially, whose lives were upended. And so when they saw PG&E in court, you know, apologizing the same way they had after the San Bruno pipeline explosion, the same way they had after other disasters, it didn't really mean much to them. It doesn't bring back their town. It doesn't bring back their loved ones. It doesn't bring back their homes. Um, what they ultimately want to see is not just PG&E pleading guilty. They want to see actual change to ensure that people don't suffer these losses at the hands of this corporation again. That was Guardian reporter Danny Anguiano, co-author of the book Fire in Paradise. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. We're going to head south now where author Michael S. Malone has been writing about the relationship between San Diego and Tijuana, right over the border in Mexico. Malone writes that the relationship is sometimes misunderstood, that the two cities often find common cause and have for a long time. It's the subject of his new book, El Tercer País. It means the third country, and I heard that from uh, a gentleman who basically lives on both sides of the border down there, dealing with companies and governments and that sort of thing. And we were right at the border, right at the crossing, and I was looking at all the people going both ways and the businesses that are moving up to the fence on both sides. I mean, on the on the Tijuana side, you can see these Maquiadora factories, giant factories, 300,000 square foot factories for Toyota and Taylor Guitar and all sorts of companies, and they're encroaching the fence to the south. And from the north, you actually have a, a pretty high-end premium outlet mall called Las Americas mm-hmm. that abuts the fence. I mean, it's sort of like there's a J. Crew store with one wall <laughs> leaning against the fence. I mean, it's not quite That's that extreme, but it's just about. Yeah. And I thought, well, something's going on here that's different. I mean, the interaction of the people. Uh, what you expect, based on all the old stereotypes we have, turn out to be completely untrue. If you had to pick, you know, a particular moment in time, I, I know this was an evolution, but was there one moment that you think kind of catalyzed the gelling of the relationship between the two cities? 
Yeah, there was a dinner. They still talk about it. There was a dinner at a private home about 30 years ago, and it took place on the, on the Tijuana side over towards the ocean, and it involved civic leaders and community leaders from both sides of the border. And it was interesting because they had never really met each other. They were, they were strangers. They didn't know much about each other. And they got together for this dinner at this house. And it turned out they had enormous things in common. I mean, not only do they live in the same geographical region and experience the same weather and have the same problems about, you know, pollution in the, in the Tijuana River, but they also had the same interests and they had the same attitudes and they even had the same resentments. I mean, people in, here in California, in the U.S., we don't think about it, but Tijuana is in the corner of Mexico, just the way San Diego is in the corner of the United States. And both of them feel ignored by D.C. and by Mexico City. You talk to Tijuanans and they say, uh, Mexico City knows nothing about us. They don't understand us. They think we're a dangerous border town and they look down upon us. Well, that's not too far from the attitude that San Diego has always had towards L.A. and Washington, D.C. So they found a common purpose at this dinner and they still talk about it. It was the beginning of Let's rethink this border thing. Let's rethink this relationship where San Diego's the big brother and Tijuana's the troubled little brother and San Diego exports all its sins to, to Tijuana. So that was the beginning. And it would turn out to be a very personal thing, and a very intimate thing, as opposed to governments coming down with laws and rulings. And it grew from there. That was Michael S. Malone, author of El Tercer País. And that is the California Report for this Christmas Eve. I'm Lily Jamali. We will talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the earth needs a good lawyer. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together, on the web at SchmidtFutures.com, and Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.